Welcome to another episode of The Case Files of Eddie James, the exciting new show within a show that gives you, the listener, both a thrilling mystery and a peek into the world behind the scenes. Brought to you by Bizzo's Soap, the versatile soap that can't be beat for dishes, gets your white laundry sparkling white, and yet is gentle enough for washing your hands and face. One soap for so many uses, which saves the savvy housewife time and money. Bizzo Soap, for the Bizzo Busy Woman. It's a special day at KTRQ, the radio studio home of The Case Files of Eddie James. It's the annual breakfast banquet. Besides a catered meal, awards are handed out for excellence in all facets of radio production. If previous years are any indication, the Eddie James Group has a good chance to pick up a few, so all of the regular cast members, the writers, and the engineer are all in attendance in the station's largest studio. Oh, wow, they really have done themselves this year. Oh, these eggs, Benedict's, they's delicious. You should try these waffles, Barn. They're so light. <laughs> the champagne is pretty good, too. <laughs> the food is indeed almost as good as the work we've all done. Be prepared to clear much of this feast. We'll need room for all the statuettes we're about to receive. <laughs> you really think we'll win anything, Russ? Ah, I'm certain of it. The case files of Eddie James is too good to be ignored. I've already cleared a space on my mantle for a new acquisition. Of course you did. Nobody will ever accuse you of insecurity. I think the show will win at least one award. It certainly deserves to, in my opinion. He doesn't say that out of conceit, Clint. John became my writing partner after the show was already established. I know. I agree with John. I listened to the show before I was hired to be on it. It's a great show. And a lot of it is because of the writing. Thanks, Clint. Jim Douglas, the head writer for the television show Cactus Ridge, was her first partner. Say, where is Jim anyway? He should be sitting with us. He is not working for TMQ anymore, Millie. Mammoth Studios grabbed him to write the new Cliff Hayes Western. Wow. You should have that luck, Roberta. Selfishly, though, I'm glad you don't. Lorraine! That's a terrible thing to say, but uh, <laughs> I agree. I hate to say it, but uh, I do too. No, thanks, Phil. Guys, I get what you're trying to say, and it's very sweet. I don't think you have anything to worry about. While women writers are welcome in radio, there doesn't seem to be any room for them in the movies. Maybe someday. Ah, you should be the exception to the rule, because you are truly exceptional. <laughs> exception? Yes? Exceptional? <laughs> I made a joke. You did? I didn't hear one. Hush now. Mr. Ferguson is about to speak. Good morning, everyone. I'm Charles Ferguson, president of KTMQ. Thank you for joining me this morning. All of you create stellar work here at TMQ, and I appreciate each and every one of you. However... I think it is very important that we recognize when a person, or persons, has risen above our very high standards and given us their very best. That's why we created the Golden Microphone Award, or as I like to call them, our attaboys. It was very difficult to choose recipients this year, not because of a lack of exceptional moments, but because of a plethora of them. Therefore, we only have a few Golden Microphones to give out. If I mention you, please wait until I've finished all of my announcements to come up and receive your award. We won't take time for speeches, but I would like to get a couple of photographs. Thank you. Now for the good part. Do hold your applause until the end. The first award goes to the cast and writers of The Chet Vincent Show for consistently bringing to our airwaves top-shelf entertainment, not to mention ratings in the top three for an entire year. The second goes to the cast and writers of the case files of Eddie James, who not only thrill us every week with top-notch whodunits, but gave us real chills with their equally real adventures. The third award goes to Polly McManus for her role as Carol Happy on The Happy Family, specifically for the episode in which she hilariously blows up the oven with an overly yeasted bread dough. <laughs> and the last award goes to Barney Fuller for his expansive talent and gigantic stock of voices, 
I had no idea how many of my favorite characters are played by Barney until I started reviewing all of the shows for award consideration. That's it for awards! To those of you who did not receive an award today, please know that I am thrilled with all of you. I, uh, we, just decided to do things a bit differently this year. KTMQ is the giant it is because of the talent and dedication of everyone. Thank you again for coming! Congrats, Barney! And well-deserved! I don't know anyone around here who works harder than you. Oh, jeez. Uh, I can think of a couple of the, like you and Millie, but uh, thanks. Uh, congratulations to all of us. Yes, congratulations to all of you. You really earned it. Let's go get our pictures taken before Mr. Ferguson hollers for us. I... I can't believe I wasn't chosen for an award. Why not? Mr. Ferguson said they were only recognizing extra exceptional work. You didn't do anything unusual. You're always good. Oh, well, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's true. And we did win as an ensemble, did we not? <laughs> that is more than any other drama TMQ accomplished. And as I am the star of Eddie James, it is my victory! Oh, brother. <laughs> ah, here is my Eddie James family. I had absolutely no hesitation in selecting you for a golden microphone. First-rate work. Russell, I know I'll always get the best from you, but the rest of you, wow. You poured your heart and souls into this show. I am both impressed and thrilled. I am so very glad I decided to extend the season instead of canceling you. So, ha <laughs> ha, is the Excelsior Network. Smile for the camera, everyone. That's the way. Roberta, I believe this little statue should go to you. Because without you, there would be no Eddie James. Thank you, Charles. I'll put it in my office so everyone can share it. Excellent. I hate to break this party up, but we do got a show to record. Oh, right. Let's go, fellow award winners. We need to work on earning next year's golden microphone. Uh, 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 say, Roberta, <laughs> you don't suppose I could borrow that little statuette for a day or so? <laughs> I'll answer for her. No, you could not. It's ours, not yours. I know you. You'd never give it back. And no, you can't borrow mine, neither. Oh, now, Barney, how could you say such a thing? Of course I would return it. it, it, it it's just that I'm having a little, this little soiree this evening, and I was so sure that I would be receiving an award. I'm sorry, but I think this should stay here. We all want it. We all should be able to share in it. You can tell your guests that you are part of one of only two ensembles who won, and leave it at that. It's still something to be proud of. But I... you... Oh, very well. Next year, though, I will be the champion! And I'll show you why right now. To the microphones, everyone! It's time to unravel the arm that is the, uh... What does it say? Oh, yeah, the Eugene Francis case! I'm with CJ. Oh, brother. The city is a lonely place. I know, I walk its streets. I'm Eddie James. Being a lonely man in that lonely city gives me a chance to see things other people miss. And that makes me a good detective. Walk with me and see for yourself. The happiest day in a woman's life, well, the most romantic anyway, is the day her sweetheart proposes. Well, that's what I've heard anyway. I've also heard they like a chunk of ice to go with that question. The bigger the better. As long as it's real, that is. Thing is, the business of selling fake stones as real ones is almost as big as the legitimate side, and too many honest men lose their hard-earned money. If a friend of mine got swindled like that, I take it personally. Well, a friend of a friend of mine did get taken like that, and I took it so personally, I almost gave my life to right the wrong. The whole thing started when I stopped by my favorite watering hole, Maxie's. 
It's a bar and grill right by my flat. It's not fancy, but it's kept up nice, and the drinks aren't watered down. Myrna, the head waitress on the grill side, is my favorite waitress in all of Los Angeles. Oh, sweet kid. The night this whole thing started, she was sweet and excited. Eddie, am I glad to see you. Better not let your boyfriend hear that. <laughs> oh, it's not like that, and you both know it. Gene wouldn't believe I was being unfaithful anyway. Not after what he did today. He knows for sure now he's the only man for me. Take a look at this. The diamond ring. <whistles> and it's a honey. Congratulations. Ain't it gorgeous? Gene says it's only a half carat, but it's real clear. I'd be suspicious about it, how he could afford a diamond like that, but he works for the Allison Company now, and he got to buy it at wholesale price. The Allison Company? Jewelry maker? Oh. Well, good for him. He's just a courier, but he says the head of production, Mr. Darnell, has taken a shine to him and wants to train him to make the jewelry. Maybe even become a diamond cutter. Here, take a good look at it. Oh, a real nice, brilliant cut. Oh. Uh-oh. Are you sure he got this from work? Wait, sure I'm sure. Why? I had a diamond case not long ago. Learned a lot about them, including how to spot fakes. This, I hate to say it, is a fake. It's a good one, but a fake. Oh, but it, it couldn't be a fake, Eddie. Gene would never give me a fake diamond. Why do you think it's a fake? A few things. For instance, I blew on it to polish it up for you before I gave it back, and the breath fog didn't go away. Real diamonds won't fog up for more than a second or two. And look what happens when I hold it under the black light here over the club steps. Nothing happens. If it was real, it would glow. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Myrna. Oh, Eddie. Oh, this is awful. I feel like such a fool. No, 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 don't jump to conclusions. I met Gene, and I thought he was an okay guy. Now, my gut says he wouldn't stiff you. It's possible he doesn't know it's a phony, or maybe it's a mistake and he was given the wrong ring. Now, let me look into it for you before you throw the fiancé out with the bathwater. That for me? Oh, sure. Where does Jean live? Oh, East Hollywood. 1783 Alexandria, apartment 205. He should be home now. He gets up early, so he doesn't like to go out at night. Got it. Keep my seat warm. Shouldn't take long. I don't know how to thank you, Eddie. This means the world to me. Nah, no need. I'm all for love and happy endings, as long as I'm not part of the picture. Shouldn't have taken long. Should have been a two-sentence conversation, followed by a frantic, heartfelt apology from Gene and a vow to make it right. I knew the kid wasn't trying to pull a fast one. I pulled up to 1783 Alexandria a few minutes after I left Maxie's. There's one apartment building of about a dozen on that block. Nothing fancy, but nothing real run down either. Gene's building, the Eagle, had a plaster eagle in mid-flight over the door, and camellia bushes on either side of it. The entry wasn't locked, so I walked in and trotted up the stairs to number 205. And I stopped dead. The door was ajar. Gene? Are you there? Eddie James, I'm a friend of Myrna's. Gene? Uh-oh. That's not spilled tomato soup on the rug. And that chair didn't fall over by itself. Uh, nobody here. wonder what that means. <sighs> Guess I'd better call Hadley. Good thing the kid has a phone. This is you, Feely. I'm not home. It's not Feely, and you are too. You couldn't answer the phone otherwise. Eddie, I've always said you were too smart for your own good. Who did you kill now? I haven't killed a soul. I'm not sure if anyone's dead, actually, but I don't like the circumstances. Uh, just what I need after a long day. Riddles. 
Now try straight talk. You know Myrna, the waitress at Maxie's. She has a boyfriend named Gene. I came to his place to ask him a couple of questions. He's not here, but a puddle of blood and overturned furniture are. Think he's in trouble? I think it's likely. And since it's Myrna... Yeah, got it. I'll get a contingent over there. Wait, would you? I'll come and get the whole story from you myself. Thanks, Wayne. I'm right around the corner from you, actually. 1783 Alexandria, apartment 205. I'll do a little poking around while I'm waiting. Maybe there's a clue as to what happened. I'll be there in less than ten. So, who exactly are you, Gene? Your last name, for instance? Must be some mail around here somewhere. Maybe your bureau. Huh. Someone else has been looking around, too. Someone pretty messy. Ah, bingo. Here's your work badge. So your whole name is Eugene Francis. Huh, not bad. Here's something even more important, the receipt for that ring stuffed behind the ID in the holder. According to this, the ring is genuine with a retail price of 200 bucks. Huh. But he paid the wholesale price 75. Oh, that's still a lot of beans, but way too much to pay for glass. I wonder why you put this with your ID. Almost seems like you're hiding it. Why? Eddie? Where are you? Bedroom. I see why you called me. Any idea what happened? Nope. Not finding a single indication that he's anything but a swell, hard-working guy. No bedding slips, IOUs, flasks under the mattress, nothing. What you got in your hand? His work ID and the receipt for Myrna's engagement ring. Oh, they got engaged? Yeah, but not the way they thought. Myrna showed me the ring, and I noticed right away it was a fake. I told Myrna I was sure it was a mistake and that I'd get to the bottom of it. That's why I'm here. A fake? And he tried to pass it off as real? Ah, jeez, what was he thinking? It's not supposed to be a fake. Not according to this receipt. Oh. Think that has something to do with the blood on the floor? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. First stop tomorrow morning will be the Allison Company, Gene's employer and the source of the ring. I want to know what they have to say about fake rocks. Yeah, let me know what you find out. Well, you let me know if the boys come up with anything here. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe Gene tripped and hit his head and took himself to the hospital to get patched up, and he saunters in a half hour from now and wonders why his flat is full of cops. Eh, maybe. Hopefully, even. But I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, neither do I. Gene didn't show that night. Hadley posted a uniform outside the building and nobody came or went. I liked that even less than the blood on the floor. There weren't any other clues found either. After I got that update from my favorite lieutenant, I called another of my favorite people, Susie Peck. Her job title is assistant, but she's so much more to me than that, up to and including Lifesaver, something she's done more than once. I just had to tell her we had a case to get her up and moving. I picked her up on the way to the Allison Company and filled her in as we drove. By the time we parked the car, she was raring to bust a few heads. Wow, this is quite the setup. Brick facades, stained glass windows, covered walkway to the front door. Is this a jewelry manufacturer or a hotel? Well, the fancy bronze lettering on the building says the Allison Company, so I'm guessing they're the jewelers we're looking for. Remember, we're Mr. and Mrs. Reynolds, and we're in the market for an anniversary ring. Right. I did a little research while I was waiting for you to pick me up, so I'm familiar with their stuff. Which anniversary? Hmm. Think you put up with me for ten years? Well, it would have been a tough decade, but yeah, I think I could have made it. <laughs> oh, Eddie, you may think you're a schmuck, but I don't. I've stuck with you and liked it for five years, and I'd be happy to do it for twenty more. Oh, you don't say. Well, what do you know about that? Okay, so it's a tenth anniversary ring. Keep to that story, would you? 
I know you're dying to give everyone in there the third degree, but I think we'll get a lot more out of them if we play dumb. Yeah, yeah, let's get in there. The longer this takes, the harder it's going to be to be nice. I think I would like it better in white gold rather than yellow. Mm, maybe even platinum. Yes, I could see it in white gold. May I help you? <coughs> I, I hope so. I'm interested in an anniversary ring for my wife here, but I want something original, one of a kind, not something any Joe Schmo would pick up at a department store. So I figured go straight to the salt. I'm sorry, sir, but we don't sell directly to the public. If you now hang on there. You're right, Miss Davis, but if someone has made the effort to seek us out, then maybe that rule can be Bent just this once. <laughs> Gregory Allison, owner and chief executive officer of the Allison Company, and you are? Rudy Reynolds, owner and chief executive officer of Reynolds Fasteners. Those little bands around your grocery loaves of bread, yes, that's me. And this is my wife, Mitzi. Pleasure to meet your acquaintance. Oh, the pleasure is all mine, dear lady. <laughs> you two have come at the perfect moment. I was just having an impromptu meeting with our head designer, Mr. and Mrs. Reynolds. Oh, this is going to be a treat. This is Norma Stavelin. <gasps> Miss Stavelin? The Miss Stavelin? Oh, <laughs> I love your work. That's why we picked your company. Rudy said to me, he said, Mitzi, honey, ten years of wedded bliss should be Who's your favorite jewelry designer? I had no idea. I just buy what I like, you know. <laughs> so I asked the clerk at the store, and she told me all of my favorite pieces are yours. Oh, well, well, thank you. Which design is your favorite? In rings? I'd have to say petals and candlelight. The rose gold. You are a woman with exquisite taste, Mrs. Reynolds. Uh, that happens to be a favorite of mine as well. I'm sure we could design a ring that would fit in with that line and yet be unique. How do you design a ring? Draw a circle? Well, it's a bit more complicated than that. And why don't we show them, Norma? We, we have a few minutes before our meeting. Oh, we don't want you to go to any trouble. No trouble at all, not for such a big fan of our work. Uh, please, <laughs> step this way. Our design department is right through here. Mr. Allison, uh, could I uh, have a moment of your time? Not now, Mr. Darnell. We have guests. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Reynolds, this is Malcolm Darnell, our head of production. Uh, the Reynolds are here to have a special anniversary ring design. <laughs> Mrs. Reynolds is a great fan of our petals and candlelight line. Oh, oh, a fine line. You have excellent taste, Mrs. Reynolds. I thought it might be interesting for them to learn how our products are made. Miss Staveland will start work on the ring after that. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to help, Mr. Allison. Uh, I have a bit of time right now as I'm still waiting for Jean to arrive. That's what I wanted to tell you. Jean's not here yet. Well, that's odd. He's always on time. Perhaps he uh, overslept. I'll have Miss Davis call him. Uh, go ahead and start, Malcolm. I'll be back shortly. <laughs> uh... Everything starts with design, of course, which is Norma's department. I'll make drawings in my office, go over them with Mr. Allison and Malcolm, and make alterations when necessary. When the design is ready, it goes to our casting department, where a mold is made for the metal part of the jewelry. Uh, once the rings are ready, our expert craftsmen set the stones in the settings. Uh, we also have a team of gem experts. They check all of the stones we use for cut, clarity, and brilliance. We use only the best quality diamonds in our products. Uh, we even cut our own stones sometimes. You can see some of our experts at work right here. <gasps> Look at all those pretty little sparklers! Just think every one of them is a genuine article! Aren't they? Of course. We never use zircons or glass or paste in our jewelry. When you purchase an Allison creation, it is 100% genuine. I'm glad to hear that. I've shot out quite a few simoleons for her baubles. 
I'd be more than peeved if I ever found out someone tried to pull a fast one. I wouldn't blame you. So, uh, do you have a design in mind, Mrs. Reynolds? Well, like I said, I love your petals and candlelight collection. So I was thinking maybe a rose, a pink one, with diamond right in the middle. Oh, I love that, baby. Uh, I have a couple of other ideas, too, though. Uh, Want to be surprised? Oh, I love surprises! How about I go powder my nose and you tell them your secret idea? Just point me in the direction of the loo and I'll skedaddle. The employee lavatories are closest. Just go through that door across from us and turn left. The powder room is the last door on the right. Thank you! Five minutes enough time, honey? Ah, should be just right. He gave me five minutes to try and figure out what's really going on around here. That's not much time, even for me. Let's start. Wait, someone's coming. I'd better duck into this empty office. With the door open, of course. Don't blame me for this mess. I wasn't the one who sent me real rocks instead of the fakes. Keep your voice down! Nobody else can know about this. Jean picked up the wrong package. I grabbed the fakes before anyone was the wiser. Big here. This isn't all of them. There should have been six. Only five here. Where's the other one? I'm working on getting it back. Don't worry. I'll get it. You'd better. If any of this gets out, we'll both be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Just give me the real ones back and get out of here before anyone sees you. We've got visitors here. Here. Hey, there are only five here. You'll get the sixth one when I get mine. Call it insurance. What was that? Probably somebody coming. Quick, follow me. Is it safe to come in? Yes. You have great timing. We just finished. Oh, good. I just remembered, honey, you have an important meeting in less than half an hour. Oh, oh that's right. Well, thank you, Miss Staveland and Mr. Darnell. I'll give you a call later so we can... Iron out all the details, yes? Uh, we'd better go, Mitzi. Oh, uh, can't you wait until uh, Mr. Allison returns? He should be back any minute. No, 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 can do. That meeting is in Southgate. I'm looking at buying a new warehouse. Please give my thanks to your boss. <laughs> Let's go, honeypot. You found something. I heard something, something big. I'll tell you everything in the car. Susie sure did hear something. The one thing she didn't hear, unfortunately, was who was talking. I noticed a cream Buick convertible pull out of the company parking lot just as we got to the car. The chance it was one of the people Susie heard was a good one, so we did the only sensible thing. We followed them. Funny thing is, we weren't the only ones. Another car came out of nowhere and got between us. Whoever was driving the second car was definitely following the Lincoln, but not experienced at tailing someone. For one thing, their Ford Custom was bright red. The cream Buick didn't pull away, though. We dropped back a bit and followed from a distance. It was easy to see them even when they hopped on the freeway. Thanks to a big truck cutting us off, we were even farther back when they hopped off again a little south of Atwater Village. I didn't see them turn onto a side street. Luckily, Susie did. They stopped at a small house set back from the street and surrounded by trees. The Lincoln far up the driveway, the Ford on the street. By the time we caught up, they were already in the house. So, do we sit and wait for something to happen, or is this another of your horn-grabbing moments? I don't like waiting. Let's go take a closer look. Go around the back. I'll see if I can sneak a peek in the front. Okay, just be careful. So who are you people, and what exactly is going on? Oh, maybe I can get a peek from the bushes under that window. Uh, who shot who? I'd better go find out. Ah! Eddie! Ah! Oh, he missed by a mile. With a gun, that is. Whoever it was could have been a defensive end for the Packers, though. Did you see any of it? No. 
The Lincoln was speeding away as I got here. I got the last three digits of the license plate, 098. But that's it. You better see if anyone's been hurt. Nobody's hurt here, unless dead counts as hurt. There's no way he's still alive, not with all that blood. Susie, you've been working this racket too long. If you were a real woman, you'd be screaming and fainting right now. The bullet went right through him. I'm plenty real, sir. Maybe even more so than the average female. Am I also a teeny bit jaded? Maybe. Yeah, maybe nothing. But I'm glad I don't have to ply you with smelling salts. You would if that was a spider and not a stiff. Who is that, anyway? The suit looks familiar, but I need a face to go with it. He's lying on his. I think I know, but let's be sure. And be sure he's dead. <laughs> yeah, that's who I thought it was. And he's very dead. Malcolm Darnell, the Allison Company's production manager? What's he doing here? Excellent question. Let's get Hadley down here, then we'll go after the answer to that question. That's Susie. She's one in a million. I've tried to tell her that she's going to scare away every eligible bachelor being that fierce, but she won't change a thing. To be honest, I'm glad. Those guys don't deserve her anyway. Hadley wasn't happy to hear from me. He claimed he didn't need another stiff in his life. I reminded him that we didn't know that Jean was dead and that Darnell was connected to her. That cheered him up. The lieutenant is as attached to his job as I am to mine. He didn't need us to stay, as we hadn't seen anything, so after we gave him the little information we did have, we headed back for the office. I sent Susie out for lunch. She wasn't gone two minutes when someone walked in. It wasn't the last person I expected, but she was definitely one of maybe three. I hadn't paid Norma Stavelin much attention when we were at Allison, but I admit, I gave her a once-over as she stood in the doorway. She was long and slender, like a dancer. Her chocolate hair was pulled back, but a couple of strands had escaped and caressed her cheek. I kinda wished I was those strands. Then I saw the fear in her baby blues, and I came back to Earth. Excuse me, I'm looking for a detective named Eddie James. Mr. Reynolds, what are you doing here? Oh, just being myself and waiting for you, apparently. You're Eddie James? Why did you come to Allison under an assumed name? I'll answer that after you answer one for me. Why are you looking for a detective? I don't know if I should say. You could be working for a competitor. Well, I could be, but I'm not. I'm actually working for Jean's fiancé. Jean's fiancé? Why? Well, see, there you go again. We're going to get along a lot better if you do what I asked and answer my question. Oh, fine. Malcolm and I are convinced something odd is going on at work. I happened to be shopping downtown the other day. As I passed one of the shops that carry our lines, I noticed that the pieces being displayed as Allison were not ones I created. When I went in and asked about them, and the clerk assured me they were indeed Allison creations. I don't know if Mr. Allison is unhappy with my work, or he's secretly trying to out another designer, or if another company is using our name. Well, I like my job. If someone is stealing from us, I want it stopped. Malcolm feels the same way. In fact, he left right after you did this morning, said he wanted to follow you to see if you were spies. Oh, I was feeling so uncomfortable about the whole thing that I picked a private detective out of the telephone book, told our receptionist that I was called away on a family emergency, and came right here. I think there's a third possible explanation to your oddness, the one I'm following. Are you uh, certain you never use fake stones? Why, that's the second time you've asked that. Yes, I'm certain. Why? Because Jean Francis proposed yesterday with an Allison ring that has a fake diamond set in it. Now he's missing. What? But I don't understand. There's more, but I think I'll keep those cards close to my vest for now. Eddie, the cafe was at a roast beef, so I got you pastrami. Miss Davelin, what are you doing here? Mrs. Reynolds! It's Miss, actually. Miss Susie Beck. I'm Eddie's sidekick. Sidekick? Yeah, I like that. I've been looking for a title for you. Susie, Miss Stavelin has brought us some new information. Oh? I'll let her explain. I'm going to go see a man about a horse, or to be more accurate, a jeweler. 
about a diamond. I left the girls to gab while I headed out. My final destination was the jeweler Norma had seen. But my first stop was Maxie's to find out if Myrna had heard from Jean. I'd called her the night before to tell her he was missing. That didn't go over well. She was tying knots in the napkins when I got to the grill. Eddie, have you found Jean yet? No, I stopped by to see if you've heard from him. No, 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 don't give up hope. Not yet. I haven't. Can you tell me anything about his job? Not really. Like I told you, he's a courier. He takes the jewelry to the shops that sell it. Just shops? Well, as far as I know. Wait a minute. He did mention having to go on a special errand for Mr. Allison the other day. Something about a little box and a place all the way out in Venice. Well, that's all I remember. Well, and that he thought it was kind of hinky. That's one of Jean's favorite words, hinky. Oh, oh, Jean. Oh. Hey, 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 no more waterworks, Myrna. You stay strong and positive and keep those fingers crossed. Oh, okay, Eddie. You look like you know something all of a sudden. Did what I tell you help? Yeah, maybe. I'm going to go find out. I'll let you know as soon as I have anything. Gene had been sent to the location where the stones were switched, and he figured out what was going on. I was sure of it. I was almost as sure that he had either been killed or kidnapped because of that knowledge. I hoped it was the latter. I hate sad endings, and I really hate disappointing friends. The clerk at the jewelry store had a big clue, but it sure wasn't easy to get it out of her, not at first. She was far more interested in me. I didn't get it. Legs like hers, she could have any man in town. I even took a couple of looks. Red waves and big gray eyes got a couple more. I may never buy, but uh, I do window shop on occasion. Good afternoon. How may I help you? I hope you're not looking for an engagement ring. No, not me. I need something for dear old mother. She has a big birthday coming up, and she likes diamonds, so... So you thought you'd be her hero and get her one. What a good son you are. Oh, that's me all over. I don't want to spend my life savings, though. Oh, I think I can find something to fit your budget. How about this one? Small, but real. And the brilliant cut makes it very sparkly. Sure does. Nice. Real nice. And if this is my price on the tag, then even nice. That's your price, handsome. I told you I'd find something you like. I do like it. Before I buy, though, I want to make sure I've got the right one. Ma said something about how she loves jewelry from the, uh, Oh, the, the Allison Company. Got any of those? That's an Allison in your hand, actually. We're one of their top sellers. Just about everything I have here is Allison Company. I have the shipping label right here, as a matter of fact, as I just got this ring this morning. If you want proof, here. Oh, well, you don't need to... Oh, thanks. Hey, they're right here in Los Angeles. I like that. You got a sale, Miss... My card says Miss Arden, but you can call me Rita. Nice to meet you, Rita. You can call me Eddie. Nice to meet you too, Eddie. Can I interest you in anything else? Oh, you already did. Oh, you mean in your showcase? I didn't necessarily mean the showcase. Just in case you hadn't noticed, I'm not wearing any of my products. Not on my left ring finger, anyway. I noticed. Is the number on this card the best number to reach you? The one on the front is for day. The one on the back is for after hours. 
I suggest you use the one on the back. I just might do that sometime. Right now, I have a meeting to get to. Thank you for your help. Oh, you even wrapped it. You're welcome. I do aim to please. Bullseye. Bullseye was right, but not the way she thought. That diamond she sold me was about as real as a leprechaun. I paid 50 bucks for a ring that was probably worth 298, but I was okay. It was the evidence I needed to prove fraud. The most valuable tidbit she gave me was that peak at the shipping label. The return address wasn't the corporate office, but somewhere in Venice. The same someplace Jean was sent to, I was sure. I was just as sure that wild horses could not keep me from making Venice my next destination. I stopped at a phone booth on the way to let Susie know what I found. She came to the same conclusion I had, that it was Gregory Allison himself who was behind the switches. It had to be. I might have suspected Malcolm, but, well, he was dead. Norma wasn't behind it either. She wouldn't have come to me if she was. Nobody else at the firm could have access to the jewelry. Why would he do such a thing? Money, of course. A fake stone cost a fraction of the real one. The real ones were either in a safety deposit box somewhere or sold to private parties. All I needed now was the proof, which I hoped was in Venice. Turned out Venice held a lot more than that. Well, this is the place. Not much to look at, just a small house on a side street. Doesn't seem to be anyone around, so I'll just step around back and see if I can get a peek inside. I don't see anything particularly interesting. Oh, wait. A table. Does it have jewelry on it? So it does. How very careless of me, Mr. Reynolds, or should I say Mr. Eddie James... I thought you looked familiar to me this morning. Then I saw your picture in the paper. Ooh, detectives really shouldn't allow that kind of thing. Makes it harder for them to work incognito. Duly noted, Mr. Allison. Now, let's talk about your carelessness and how fake stones keep ending up in jewelry marked genuine. I have no idea what you're talking about, and neither do you. Ah, 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 that hard thing in your back is a gun, Mr. James. <laughs> if you want to keep it from going off, I suggest you go inside. Now, I need to decide where to leave your body after I shoot you. So, Eddie went to Venice to investigate. Yeah, and I have a bad feeling about it, Lieutenant. One of these days you're going to drop that Lieutenant stuff and call me Wayne. You're as much of a friend as he is. You want me to go back him up? Yes, but you have no legal grounds to. Miss Stavelin, why are you back? <sighs> Mr. Allison, he's the mastermind behind all of this. I just saw the woman from the jewelry store in his office with him. I overheard them talk about some kind of deal. I went back to my office before they could see me. Mr. Allison came down a few minutes later and said he'd be out for the rest of the day, that he had a business meeting in Venice. Something told me to come to you right away and tell you. Yes, I did hear that. Sounds like I have grounds now. I guess you do. So do I. Susie? Don't Susie me. I can get Eddie out of a jam better than anyone, and you know it. I'll see you in Venice. I've got to go, Miss Stavlin. Thanks for the information. Wait! I'm going with you. I want to see justice served firsthand. <sighs> okay, only because you overheard the address and I'd rather have you in my sight than running in on your own. Do exactly what I tell you or you might get killed. Let's go. Nice of you to show up, Miss Arden. Now I know for sure you're in this up to your neck. The information won't do you any good, Seamus. You're not going to get the chance to share it with anyone. Plug him, Greg, and let's get out of here. I can't shoot him now, not in broad daylight. I'll do it when it gets dark. He's not going anywhere, not 
tied up like that. <laughs> we can go out and grab a bite to eat while we wait. The sun will be going down soon. Uh, I don't like it. Okay. Only let me gag him first. Too bad you had to be the good guy, Eddie. I was looking forward to that after hours rendezvous. We could have had a really good time. Hey! Hey what? We're business partners, Greg. Diamond business, not funny business. Let's go get that grub. Then we come back here, rub out the Seamus and head for Mexico. This time though, you'd better get him for good the first time. You didn't do so well with Gene. I didn't have my gun on me that time, just a sap. He didn't last long, though, trust me. He would have ratted to the cops by now if he had. As for funny business, uh, there had better be a lot of that when we get to Mexico, or this partnership will get dissolved <laughs> permanently. Get my drift? Sure, Greg. Sure. Let's go. Somebody! Help! Mr. James? It, it's me, Gene. Here, let me get that hanky out of your mouth. Ooh. Mwah. Gene, am I glad to see you, and for more than one reason. Are you okay? What happened? What are you doing here? Let me get you untied first. Mm. There. Yeah, I'm okay, I guess. Except for a pounding headache. What happened was that I caught Mr. Allison in my apartment going through my stuff. I asked him what he was doing there, and he told me that I had been given the wrong ring by accident and that he needed to exchange it right away as he had a buyer for the other one. The whole thing sounded hinky to me. So I told him that he was wrong, that it was exactly the ring I wanted, and that I had put it in a secret hiding place until I could give it to my girl. He got real nasty then, threatened to fire me and sue me. Well... I know the law pretty good, enough to know that possession is nine-tenths of it, so I told him to go ahead and sue. He wasn't going to get it back. He, he softened up and said he was sorry that it was just that the buyer was a very important person and he didn't want to let them down, that he'd trade my ring for one that was even nicer. Well, that sounded even hinkier to me. I didn't want to fight about it anymore, so I said I'd have to think about it and I'd tell him in the morning. He said, okay. So I headed for the door to show him out. That's when he got me behind the ear with a sap. I went down like a sack of potatoes. He must have thought he killed me because he left me there. I came to about an hour later. I was worried he'd try again, so I scrammed out of there. Drove around for a while to try and figure out what to do. I remembered this place after a while. I had a feeling something hinky was going on here too. So I came down to see if I could find out anything. I must have been here only a few minutes when Mr. Allison brought you in. I know you're a friend of Myrna's, so you were okay. I waited until they left, and well, here we are. We sure are, and I'm grateful you're so smart. You might have a future in detective work, Gene. Oh, yeah? I'd like that. <laughs> we'll talk later. Right now, we have to form a plan to catch those two red hand... Shh, they're coming back. Quick, loop the rope around my wrist, but don't tie it. Put the gag back in. And sneak out the back and get to a phone. Call Lieutenant Hadley at the Hollywood Precinct. I'll stall them as best I can. Okay. I told you he'd still be here, Rita. Not even the great Eddie James can get out of my knots. <laughs> we forgot a couple of things, Mr. James. One, the diamonds. Can't risk someone else casing the house spotting them. They might be thieves, and those are the real things, and... And a thief just may be around. You see, this neighborhood consists of working families. There's no one around right now. It would actually be easier to rob a house now or commit a murder without anyone being the wiser. <laughs> Perhaps you entered my home with the intent to rob it. Yes, yes, and I caught you in the act. It would be my duty to shoot you, wouldn't it? I'll just do it now, while you're unable to dodge the bullet. Ah, my hand! Better your hand than Eddie's heart. Lieutenant Hadley, Wayne, they're all yours. Gregory Allison, Rita Arden, you're under arrest for fraud, assault and battery, kidnapping, and murder. We discovered that the house where Malcolm Darnell was killed belongs to you, Miss Arden. 
And the bullet we recovered came from your gun, Mr. Allison. Men, take him away. Oh my goodness, what a shot! However did you do it, Miss Beck? A lot of practice. Eddie likes to get into impossible situations. Never impossible, because you're always there to get me out. <sighs> Mr. Mr. James, are you okay? I was on my way to the payphone when I heard a shot. I'm fine. Number one rule in detective work, always have a partner. Preferably one who has a sixth sense for your well-being. Gene! Is it good to see you? We'd better tell Myrna you're okay. She's been so worried. I say we all go tell Myrna. I could use a steak. I can't thank all of you enough for getting Gene back to me safe and sound. Even Gus, my manager, is thrilled. He said dinner's on the house. You're welcome. And thank you, Gus. Uh, it was quite a ride, but it came out okay. Except the part about your ring being phony, Myrna. I feel so bad about that. Hello again, everyone. Uh, no need to feel bad, Gene. Here's the real one. I found it when I went back to the office with Lieutenant Hadley. Uh, you bought and paid for it, so it's legally yours. I need the fake one for evidence anyway. <laughs> Trade you? Thanks, Miss Staveland. You bet, Lieutenant, and thank you. Here you are, Lieutenant. Oh, I hope it puts people in jail for a long, long time. Myrna? Yes, Jean? Would you marry me? For real this time? Oh, yes, you adorable hinky mutt. And that is why I got into the diamond business. There's always a happy ending. I'm staying in it, too. I've already been approached by the owner of Savoir Faire, a company I know is legitimate. If you ever need a diamond ring, Eddie, let me know. I'll make you the most beautiful one in town. Uh, <clears throat> me? Uh, a diamond? Sure. It could happen, you know. You are human, not marble. <laughs> you sure about that? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Case Files of Eddie James, brought to you by Bizzo Soap, the versatile soap that can't be beat for dishes, gets your white laundry sparkling white, and yet is gentle enough for washing your hands and face. One soap for so many uses, which saves the savvy housewife time and money. Bizzo Soap, for the Bizzo Busy Woman. Tonight's cast included Lauren Bombala, Val Coons, Max Levine, Mike Luce, Richard Tatum, Rachelle Wasserman and Keith Wright. Story by Val Coons. Sound patterns by Val Coons. This has been a Q Footsteps production. Nalamcha. I'd say Nalamcha, but I'd probably have to do a retake. And I was in the middle of a burp while I was saying that line, so I'm going to give it again. That's going to go on the reel. I know it. <clears throat> Shouldn't have had that brisket. Pardon me, I'm apparently eating too many beans. The case files of Eddie Gas, I should have known. I don't know who's playing this phony, but he can't say a line to save his life. Sometimes a sun hat is just a sun hat.